You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Today we're going to talk about no excuses. I can tell you guys are thrilled, right? This is no excuse 2023. I got to have somebody that's going to be excited about that, right? No excuses. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Uh, you know, you guys know that know me, know that I play tennis. I'm an avid tennis player. I love to watch tennis. Uh, I make Chuck watch tennis because he loves it. When we're going to England next week, we're going to the tennis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to do it all. We're going to tennis up. So um, it might not make me any better, but it'll cost me a little bit more money, right? <laughs> but uh, this past week, I played in the city finals with my partner and we won. So we are city champions. It's been a, a long, hard fight for that. And the way we became city champions is we worked hard. Amen. We worked hard. We took coaching lessons and our coach worked us hard. He actually coaches the uh, college team, St. Pete college team. So really we should be better than what we are if he's coaching college team, but he doesn't make us do sprints. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to run around the courts 20 times, you know, uh, because he knows we probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> we are not that into it, but anyhow, so, so he's, uh, he's been a great part. I mean, a great, you know, coach for us. And, but what, what you do when you win the city, you move up to the next level. And I told my partner, I said, really, the hard work has just begun because you've got to maintain the higher level in order to stay there. You've got to have a certain number of points or they bump you back down. And the level we were at, we were good enough not to have to worry about being bumped down. But we decided about a year and a half ago that we didn't want to just be good enough to stay where we were. We wanted to level up. So we've had to work hard to level up. And as our coach says... There, there are no excuses. Don't tell me about how tired you are. Don't tell me that you took your eye off the ball because there's no excuses. He said there's things called forced errors where your opponent causes you to miss the ball because they hit a good shot. But then there's unforced errors where you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So it's your fault. You missed the point. And he said, you have to make less unforced errors and make the opponent push you into making a mistake. So we're going to talk about what does this look like in our life as Christians? How do we live a life that is, that is filled with a vision for the future a goal of where we're going, and we're not willing to make excuses for why we're not there. So this is an exciting message for all of us. It is because, you know, what happens is as God begins to talk to me about my excuses, 
then he gives me the opportunity to share that with you. <laughs> because we all know we make excuses. Like we're late for a meeting. Well, a uh, forced error would be we had a flat tire on the way and we couldn't help it, so we were late. But our excuse would be we hit our alarm one more time to get that extra 15 minutes in, and we didn't really have enough time to get where we needed to be to be on time. So we have to figure out. So when we get there, do we say, oh, I don't know what happened. Maybe I think the traffic was a little heavier or normal. Or do we say, you know, I decided to sleep a little later and blow you off and make you wait because I wanted a little bit more sleep. Most of us would say a uh, little, little heavier traffic this time. But this is a this is a no excuse life. We have to clean up the lines. We have to be able to say, I'm going to take responsibility for this. You know, I wasn't ready because I spent that extra 10 minutes scanning through my Instagram to see if there was anything interesting I needed to know. Anything life changing, anything that was going to spark me on to be a better person. Not normally, not normally. But I think that's where God has us. He is pushing us to give up the things that are superfluous to what our mission is and to take all the reasons that we could have, would have, should have done something, but decided not to. And then we've whitewashed it with some level of excuse. And the thing we have to do, and it's just like, uh, you know, I'm talking about training the the thing we are talking about tennis, the thing we had to do is we had to be diligent in our training. We had to show up for our coaching. We had to practice in matches. We had to apply what we learned. And that's one of the things God has called us to do is to show up in the training that he gives us. We're not too busy to read the word. We're not too busy to pray. If we are, we need to reevaluate our calendars. And we understand that we go through seasons where our life is crazy. How many are in a season where their life is crazy? It's true. Sometimes our life is just crazy. But God has a way to take what is crazy and, and it's laid before him and he releases peace over the craziness. He can find you that extra five or 10 minutes you need to spend with him. He has a way to hold time so that you have plenty of time to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And I know uh, when I was going through, you know, sometimes my schedule's super crazy. Sometimes it's not. But when my schedule's super crazy, my number one prayer in the morning is I have enough time to complete everything I need to do. And when I began to get that in my mental capacity, I have enough time to complete everything I need to do. Somehow there is enough time to complete everything I need to do. So training in this hour is so important. And our training, our discipline with God, spending time with God, spending time with other believers, spending time in the word is a part of us leveling up and not needing excuses for our daily life. And we're just going to read it through, uh, read through a few scriptures as we talk about this. But first Corinthians nine 24, we're going to start with that one. And Paul's talking about it. And he says, 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Right? So if we're running a race, we all run. How many of you have ever run in a race? Okay, we all run. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So we understand that if we're running in a mass 5K, then there's going to be one person that runs the fastest and they're going to get the prize, right? But running in this Christian life, there is a prize set before us that God has put in front of us to run toward. And we have to run the race that he set in front of us in order to obtain the prize that he has for us. And we know that the ultimate prize is salvation and eternity. But along the way, there are things that we will accomplish and that we will achieve on this journey with Christ that he has set before us. And, you know, tennis is important to him. I can see y'all going, where is that? <laughs> where is that? But, you know, when you think about it, he's given us all interest that we are passionate about. Some may be sewing, some may be golfing, some may be, you know, working on their carburetor. You know, we all have interests that we're passionate about that we are able to assimilate in our daily lives. And that is part of this of this wholeness of life. You know, everything we do, we do in excellence unto God. And as we do it, it brings us a discipline within us. You can't do anything well without a discipline of training. I remember when I took sewing when I was in, uh, middle school. When I went to middle school, they made you do everything. We had to do shop. We had to do sewing. We had to do art. We had to do Spanish. Uh, and when I took the sewing class, now my mom was a seamstress. She designed wedding dresses, all this kind of stuff. When I took sewing class, they were like, you'll probably do better in one of the other sections. <laughs> I was like, what? But I could not sew a straight line to save my life. Even now, drawing a straight line with a ruler is a challenge because there's something about the way I look at it has a slight tilt to it. So when I, when I was sewing, my seam was like a little zigzag. So I knew that that probably wasn't going to be my number one gift. But I tried and I trained on it. And then I realized that somebody else can make it for me, I'm sure. I'm sure I can get someone else to make it for me. But you never know what your limits are until you push yourself into those limits. We have to train at what we want to be excellent at. And I want to be excellent in, relationship, in my relationship with Christ. I want to be excellent in knowing the word that it, I'm so consumed by the word that it has consumed me. I want to be excellent at tennis. I want to be an excellent mom and grandma. I mean, there's lots of things I want to be excellent at. Sewing is not one of. So I don't make time in my schedule to try that. Chuck sews better than I do. If I need something fixed, I'm like, honey, could you work that out for me? He's like, I got it. I mean, he can hem pants. I mean, he, he's good. He's good. But that's good because I'm not. So him and my daughter used to make things together because... Uh, I had other talents. I definitely had other talents. 
But, you know, think about this. If we're going to be excellent at anything, we have to go on a training path toward it. If we want to really be excellent. And Paul talked about this training. And this one scripture has been one of my scriptures kind of for life. It's out of Philippians 3, 12 uh, through 16. I just want to read this uh, out of Philippians real quick. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It's um, Philippians 3. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. I'm never there. It's, it's not that I've, I've got it all, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So we are, you know, we're going for it all. And I don't have it all. Because I know that there's more that Christ has for me. Every time I, I read the word, I'm like, God, you know, even this morning, I was like, God, what is your revelation for me today? You know, speak to me through the word today. Speak to me through the open. Speak to me however you want to. But I, I want to grab a hold of what you have for me today. So I lay hold of it. And it says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So we forget what is behind us. And part of this is is forgetting our mistakes and the things that we didn't accomplish well. You know, if I spent all my time thinking about the number of times I got beat on a court I would probably never walk on a court again. But the other thing I can't do is spend all my time Thursday going over how I won. Because then I get stuck in where my last victory is and I'm not ready to move on to where my next training is so I can grow in my next level that God has given me. So we it's not that we erase our past. We just can't live there or we'll never get to the next place God has for us. We'll never grow. We'll never learn. We'll never expand. You know, one of my favorite books is by John Maxwell and it's called failing forward because we have to learn how to fail. Well, nobody wants to fail. Nobody does. We want to have victory every single time, but we don't, we aren't equipped enough to have victory every single time. When I played 20 years ago, I played different than I play now. Because the game has grown, it's changed, the type of equipment you use has changed, so you change with it. What we knew of the word 20 years ago hopefully has grown within us, expanded our understanding, created a deeper relationship with Christ, enabled us to be that light in the darkness. You know, so we always are in this momentum of training going forward. The day we quit training is the day we become stagnant. We've always got to keep the training moving forward in, in all things, you know, in all things. And different seasons as we go through, you know, I'm not so much training to be a young mom with small children. I'm training to be a grandma with little babies. It's a different skill. I just have to have lots of fun and then send them home. 
It's a different skill. Only every once in a while do I have to go, now don't do that. Okay. Because my responsibility is not making sure they go to bed and brush their teeth and take a bath. And that's not my responsibility anymore. My responsibility is to love them, to nurture them, to pray over them, to go have fun with them. And then every once in a while, tell them, no, they can't really do that. <laughs> but at my house, there's not a lot of no's because they come for a different reason. So we're always in this training mode and we have to remember that Christ is in us and he's calling us on a journey that requires training. It requires a level up. We have to level up with him. If I stayed at nine years old when I met Christ, I certainly wouldn't be here today. I would still be feeding on milk. Because I didn't go through the meat phase. So we, we always have to stay training. Okay, I'm not going to beat that to, to death. But it's so exciting. Training is hard and it's exciting. Next, we're going to talk about enemy engagement. Okay? We know that there's an enemy that is out to get us. And that he has his, dominion, his uh, demons out there. We know that that is a fact. It says so in the word, but we have to determine how we're going to look at the enemy. We have to determine that. And I just want to read a couple of scriptures. We're going to go to first Samuel 17. And I'm going to tell you what my coach says. You, you guys are getting tennis uh, coaching today. That, that is, that has a biblical application, hopefully. Uh, Samuel, first uh, Samuel 17, 45. So David's, uh, you, we all know the story. David's going to go fight Goliath. And he says in verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that they all, that all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel. My coach says, don't look at what they're doing to you. You look at what you're going to do to them. It's not about whether they hit the ball at your feet or they passed you. It's about before the ball is hit, you look across the net and you say, what is my strategy against them? I am not going to be the one on defense. I'm going to be the one on offense. In this time of torment from the enemy, it's not about what the enemy is doing against us. It's about what is the strategy that the Lord God of heaven has against him. We have to change our mindset. We have to realize that we have the strategy of heaven. That if we ask God for a solution, he is going to give it to us. Because that is actually what his word says. He gives a strategy within the word. So what the enemy is trying to do to us, 
God has already given us an answer for. So our daily plan is God. What does it look like for you today? And how are you going to use me in everything that I do, whether it's in my work, whether it's with my children, whether it's with my neighbor, you know, how are you going to use me? What is the strategy for today? Because I want to be like David and look at the Goliath that I'm facing and say, I don't care what you have, but what I have is the Lord God of heaven. And he is going to give you, give me your head on a sword because you've come against him. So you have two choices. You can bend down your knee and say yes to Jesus. Or you can face the strategy of Jesus that he has to defeat the attack that you've put against me and my family and my finances and my business. We have to become strategic people. We have trained for this. We've given our life to the commander of the army that has not only a heavenly host that is out there fighting for us that we don't even see, but also has a body that has all kinds of strengths for us to be able to release a strategy. We've got to defeat the enemy. And we've got to defeat the enemy in our territory and on our terms. There's nothing better than playing a tennis match when you've got home court advantage. And we have home court advantage. The the Lord has set us up to have a victory in wherever there's a war. And there may, may be ups and downs in our battles. But God has the word for us to defeat that. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about is being determined to have a breakthrough. You know, when you walk on a court and you say, gosh, I hope we can win, then the odds of you winning are going to be a little slimmer than the odds are you going to win if you walk on and say, this is my match and this is my game. And I'm going to do everything I can. I've trained, I've prepped, I've drank plenty of water to win. You've got to be determined to have a breakthrough. And I just want to read out of Mark. Um, and we're like I said, we're just going to read through, through scriptures. I, what I want to do is set a fire in you in knowing that when an excuse starts to come across your mind, that you say, ah, no excuses. I'm not going to have any excuses. If it's a forced error and there's nothing I could have done about it, that's one thing. But if it's something within my parameter to control, then I'm not going to make an excuse for what didn't happen. Determined to have a breakthrough. Mark uh, 2. We're going to go Mark 2 verse uh, 1. I hope this helps. I hope this helps. Mark 2 verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in the house. 
I love that phrase. It was heard that he was in the house. Yes, Jesus, we love you being in our house. And this is really your house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. They didn't have an excuse, but they could have. They could have said, there's no room for me. The, the excuse could have been, oh, it must not be my day. The, the excuse could have been, well, you know, all these people are in my way. I can't get there. I can't get to him. But they were like, there's no excuses here. We're going to tear down the roof so that the guy that we're carrying, our friend can have a breakthrough. You know, sometimes we have to take the unusual route in order to get our breakthrough. And many times when we're faced with something that is out of our comfort zone, out of our normal, we think of all the reasons it's not going to work because we're not familiar with the way that God wants to do it. So we say, well, you know, I was going to do this, but it looks like the enemy put up a roadblock. Oh, it looks like there's an interference. Oh, it looks like there's so many people I would never be able to get in. But who is Jesus? He's the Lord of the breakthrough. He is the one that will show us the most unusual way in order to accomplish what he has planned for us. But we have to be tenacious. We have to be people that won't take no for an answer. We have to be people that don't mind tearing the roof off of somebody else's house in order for us to get our breakthrough. And I'm sure the people who own the house weren't thrilled. But sometimes you just have to break the rules of society in order to get the breakthrough of heaven that is there waiting for you to take. And it's hard. You know, it's hard to go up against the crowd. Even Jesus talks about it. I think it's in Matthew 3. I think, uh, let me think about that before I go there. Oh, no, it is, it's in Mark 3 where he's in the synagogue and he sees the guy with the withered hand. And he looks at the guy and it's Sabbath. Withered hand, Pharisees. Withered hand, Pharisees. Withered hand, Pharisees. So what am I going to do? He looks, he says, how's that hand of yours doing? Let's just put it out there. And his hand's healed. So the breakthrough for the man with the withered hand came because Jesus was willing to speak and he would face the rebuke of the Pharisees later. But the rebuke of the Pharisees did not stop him from doing what he saw the father doing because that's what he repeatedly said. I only do what I see the father do. I only say what I hear the father saying. So the rebuke of the people who don't understand the move of God can't stop you from moving. You're not going to let them hold up your breakthrough or the breakthrough of your family, or the breakthrough of your children, because they're not going to like what you do. Right. 
We've got to be willing to risk beyond our comfort. And that is hard. It is. It's hard to go past what we are settled in. We get settled. We get settled into our routine. Every morning I get up, I pray, I read the word, I go for a walk, I go play tennis, whatever I do, I go do Pilates, whatever it is, you know. And then there's a suddenly. And you're like, they are not on my suddenly plan. I have my calendar. There's no suddenly on here, Lord. And usually the Lord doesn't tell you ahead of time that there's going to be a suddenly you walk into it and you've got the Holy Spirit giving you that three second nudge now. And you have that one second moment to say yes or no. And I think that's part of the no excuses, you know, because we see things. I was I think I told you guys this, but I'm just going to tell you one more time. Uh, I was going to get a cup of coffee and I was going to go for a walk in the park and um this man starts yelling at me, miss, miss. And God had given me a little heads up because, you know, now I pay for everything with my phone. Don't condemn me. I just do. It's just easier. So I have the Lord had already said, take your phone with you. So I took my phone to go into the coffee shop, get my coffee. And this man goes, miss, miss, miss. And I knew in that moment that it was God. But I walked by. Because I just did. It was not in my, it wasn't in my schedule. It just wasn't, you know. And, and believe it or not, I live in downtown St. Pete. So there is a lot of miss, miss, miss. Hey, hey, hey. I've had police actually stop someone. He's like, leave her alone. It's just sometimes it can be pretty aggressive. But uh, I walked to my car. Anyhow, long story short, I went back. And I said to him, I said, I heard you call my name. He said, yeah. And he was showing me his paintings. He, he paints or uh, chalks, chalks. And, he, and I said, I didn't stop. And he said, why didn't you stop? I said, because I was afraid. I said, you know, there was something just, I knew it was God, but there was just something just, it felt weird. And, uh, and I said, do you know Jesus? Oh my gosh, do I know? And he goes on this whole thing all about Jesus and how Jesus helped him from PTSD because he started doing these chalk drawings of roosters. And the rooster has a name. It's Mr. Something Something Rooster. And everybody loves his chalk drawing of roosters. And so we talked and he didn't want anything. He just wanted to talk to me about his roosters and talk to me about Jesus. And then I gave him a prophetic word and all that. But, you know, it takes courage to step out of your norm in order to step in to God's realm. And like I said, we're not always perfect at it. I'm certainly not always perfect at it. But those suddenlies come so quickly. And they are not, they're not on our list. We don't have a list of these are your suddenlies for today. Just get ready. They're going to have a black tie on and a white shirt and they'll be driving a Kia. You know, just get ready. And then you'll see we don't get it that way. God's like, if you're going to live to move in my spirit, then you just got to move when I say move. And part of that is the training. And part of it is being able to say, you know, I was kind of afraid but let's see where this goes. And then all of a sudden we're having this Jesus party on the corner of first and first in downtown St. Pete. And, you know, yay Jesus, you know, 
But I think that's just uh, part of recognizing the opportunity that comes with us. And like I said, usually it's just in a flash. You know, suddenly that opportunity is just in a flash. And then you just get an opportunity to step in or step out. And, you know, Jesus looked at that withered hand and, you know, he had a choice, step in or step out. But he only did what he saw the father doing. And he stepped in and he got the rebuke from the Pharisees once he completed the work of the father. So know that when you complete what your task is, there will be blowback. And may even be blowback from your friends. I'm going to say this, and I wasn't going to, but I'm going to because I know I'm supposed to. So I'm going to say something very controversial. So hold on to your hats. And all, everyone on social media, you know, you can just hold your thoughts because um, we know you're going to have some. But let me just talk about Target for a minute. So, you know, we know that there is a Target uh, uh, disagreement with the Word of God. Now, we know that the Target people aren't saved. We do know that, right? So we know that they're, they're not saved. And I just want to talk about two sides of the same coin. Because I want us to have a bigger thought. So for one side of the coin, it is to uh, boycott Target and not go. And, and that's fine. I, I am not given an opinion here, so don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. On the other side of the Christian coin, there is a, we have believers who have products in Target that are being light in the darkness. So what do we do about that? So it's, it's an individual. You've got to talk to God. You've got to know what he's telling you to do. But you have to understand when Jesus went and ate dinner with Matthew, with all the sinners, it's because the father says, I've sent you to save the lost. So I need for you to eat with him and bring these people into the kingdom because that's why I've sent you. You've got to understand what the word is that God has given you to accomplish. And, and like I said, I am not saying pick your side. And I am not saying I'm, I've got a side to pick. I'm just saying we have to understand where we're called. We have to understand what God has called us to do. And we have to understand that if Deb has decided she's going to sell her jewelry and target and have the name of God on it, then, you know, Donna, who will not go to target needs to be free to do what she does and Deb be able to do what she does because it's the calling of the Lord for each of them. So we have to understand in these very volatile times, what has the Lord called me to do? What, what is the father telling me to do? And we have to understand that if what I just said offended this half of the room and not this half of the room, it's okay. Because we've got to learn how to have disagreements and have different callings without it creating a war inside the body of Christ. And, and, and like I said, I am not taking a stand on either side of the coin. I'm just, I, that has been gnawing at me all day long. And I'm like, God, I don't really want to talk about that. Let's just stick to the word, God. Okay, let's just stick to the word. But sometimes we have to just put things out there so we can actually think about where are we called and what are we doing? 
Where are we called and what are we doing? And where I'm called and what I'm doing may be different than where you're called and what you're doing. And it doesn't make me right or wrong. I'm open to correction. I'm open to listen to the hearts of everybody here. And uh, as long as it's done with uh, kindness, um, I've gotten some of the other two, but that's okay. I just delete those comments on my, <laughs> I just delete, delete, delete. It's okay. Block, delete. That's my, my, my new thing. But we just have to understand what God has called us to. And I'm going to read one other scripture. And I want to talk about this because 1 Samuel 15, we're going to talk a little bit about Saul and Samuel. And uh, we're going to basically land it here. But I, I think this is important for us to understand. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. It says, Samuel uh, also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Therefore, heed, listen to this. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. If we don't do anything, we got to get that tattooed in our brain. Heed the word of the Lord. We've got to heed the word of the Lord. And it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish uh, Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go, here's the word of the Lord. Now go and attack him. He tells Saul, go and attack him and don't not just attack him, but utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. He says, wipe them off the face of the earth so they will not have generation after generation continuing to attack Israel. There was a purpose in this. Go do it. And Saul, we know we and Saul in verse nine. It says they go through this war with them and it says, but Saul. Lord, I'm going to obey you, but God, I want to make sure that, you know, I have a different agenda than what you told me to do. He says, but God, but Saul, the people and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless they destroyed. So the Lord says, utterly destroy. Saul says, I've utterly destroyed everything except King Agag, some good sheep, some things that I like, some things that'll make me feel better. I've done your word, Lord. And then he goes on when Saul, when Samuel comes back and says, uh, what's that noise I hear? Saul says, let's see, where am I going? Uh, Verse 14. But Samuel said, what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? And Saul said, oh, oh, listen to this. They, they, now, you know, they don't do anything unless the king says you can do it. But they, here's our excuse brought them from the Amicalites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen, the people to sacrifice to the Lord, your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Basically 
in that time of excuses of Saul, it cost him the destiny that he'd been anointed for. And someone had to come in and clean the mess up. Samuel had to kill Agag. Samuel had to complete the work that was given to him. We have to understand that when we get in that places of excuses, they may seem minor, but minor turns into major and it can cost us everything. Because excuses really our lack of accountability, their lack of taking responsibility for our action, their, their uh, blame shifting. You know, Saul blame shifted. Oh, they. I was just here eating my grapes, drinking my wine, and they disobeyed. They, you, we know that they would have never disobeyed Samuel because Samuel was technically the voice of the Lord to Israel without Saul's sign-off on it. So sometimes when we get, no, I'm not going to say sometimes, when we get in a pattern of making excuses for small things, they move into a pattern of big things, and then they become major things, and then they become things that cost us. They cost us our reputation. Have you ever had someone that you're like, it'll happen when I see it? The commit, commit, commit. You're like, uh, it'll happen when I, you know, you're like, okay, that's great. But you know that you better cover that because it's probably not going to happen because they're known for not following through. I mean, we all have people like that in our lives and we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be those people that walk around with our deck of cards full of excuses. Oh, I overslept. Oh, you know. I was watching TV and fell asleep. Oh, oh, you know, whatever it is, because small excuses turn into big lies, which turn into great cost to us and to the kingdom. We want to be people of excellence. We want to be people of integrity. We want to be people like Samuel, that when the word comes out of our mouth, it is so holy and it's so pure that God fulfills it because he can trust us with what comes out of our mouth. Those are the people we want to be. We don't want to be like Saul that shifts everything that makes us look good when everyone else knows that we're living our own delusion. Saul was living his own delusion if he thought he could go against God over and over again and survive. He was living his own delusion. We don't want to be delusional people. We want to be people of God, of integrity, with no excuses and willing to take responsibility for what we do. I love the scripture out of Second uh, Corinthians. And I said, I'm going to close with this. But, uh, you know, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And this is out of the Passion Translation. I'm only going to read this because I feel like it has uh, a more forceful impact. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 2. It says, Now I plead with you that when I come, don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do. By daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we're living by the standards of the word, world, not by spirits, wisdom, and power. We are not living by the standard of the world. We are living by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The spirit of the living God that lives within us. And Paul said, don't make me come there. 
Let me come in joy, not in correction. Let me come and pour into you, not redirect you. And I believe that God is sharpening us to be such a refined display of his glory in this world. To know that whatever it is, whether it's retail, neighbor, family, that we're able to stand in this pure, trained up body, mind, and soul for God and do what God has called us to do. We've trained hard. We'll take the responsibility we need to take, but there's no excuses to try to mask what we've let slide. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's a good word for today. If I ask you to stand, I just want to pray over us because I know that what will happen is something will come up and you'll think, oh, I have a good excuse for that. And then suddenly you'll be like, oh, no, <laughs> that word went in me today. So that other word's not coming out of me. Right. Yeah. So, Father, we just thank you that your word refines us. It is like a. Um, oh, it's just like a diamond cutter that cuts off all the rough spots and begins to shape it and, and mold it so it's at its premium value. You're, you're bringing us into our premium value, our worth, not only to the kingdom and, and the call to our neighbors and our assignment, but really to ourselves. That we are people who have trained and, and, uh, and chewed on the word of God. We are people that, that work out the word every day in our life, that we do everything that we do uh, unto excellence. We're ready for the next level. You can trust us with what comes out of our mouth because what comes out of our mouth will align with what's come out of your word, Lord. So God, we just thank you for the challenges ahead. We thank you for the suddenlies that you're going to present to us. And we thank you, God, that we are a people that are holy and set apart and have surrendered our lives to the most high God. And that there is no one but you that we would rather follow. So, Lord, we just thank you that you're going to use us in a mighty, powerfully way as we train up into this next level of not only revelation, but transformation, but power and authority to right the wrong, to tear down the strongholds that have been set up, to know the wisdom of heaven and how to handle uh, the cultural responses. God, that you're going to give us everything we need in order to accomplish what you have for us in this season. And we just thank you, Jesus. And, and we bless all the fathers that, uh, that they will get, uh, even as uh, both Jean and Matt shared, that double anointing, that generational abundance, and, and the generational gifting that you're living, you're giving them to leave to their children in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.